Hello, and thank you for tuning in to ARBcast, Water Island Capital's podcast series aimed at providing listeners timely updates on the world of event-driven investing. I'm Jordan Hurl, Vice President of Investor Relations, and today I'm joined by Greg LaPreet, Portfolio Manager for the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund, ticker ACFIX. During our time, we plan to provide listeners with a brief overview of event-driven investing, especially as it relates to the fixed income side of the capital structure, and to hear Greg's thoughts on how the current market environment is impacting his investment decisions. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. How are you? Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me today. It's good to be here. So, Greg, before we dig into the current themes and trends, perhaps you can start by providing our listeners a brief overview or refresher on event-driven investing. Sure. Um, In its most basic sense, uh, event-driven investing is where we really seek returns that are based on the timelines and the outcomes of specific, usually corporate events, things like uh, outcome of a merger, uh, the outcome of a spinoff, a refinancing. Um, This is really different than typical investing, say, in the fixed income markets, where somebody goes out and they see a bond that they think has an attractive yield. Um, They buy that bond saying it's a 6% yield for the next five years, and they clip coupon, and as long as that investment doesn't go uh, bankrupt or gets distressed, it's going to be a fine investment, and they'll earn their 6%. Um, The difference, though, is that over that five years, um, that investment is very likely to have some beta to it. It's going to trade with the market. So in a bad market, the principal amount is going to trade down. doesn't mean it's going to go bad, but there's volatility and there's correlation with the market. Whereas what we do is we find investments that are tied to these specific events like a merger. And regardless of what the market does, as long as that merger closes, uh, we may get the principal back uh, on our bonds. So really, it's a strategy that has low correlation and low beta to the overall markets. Thank you. That's helpful. So could you now break that down for listeners into how you implement the strategy in the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund? Sure. So for the Credit Opportunities Fund, really what we're looking at is we're looking at corporate events. And so we go to the fixed income markets, and we're not looking at mortgages. We're not looking at agencies. Uh, we're not looking at treasuries per se. Really what we're looking at is primarily North American and specifically um, U.S. credit. Um, and here we're looking at the investment-grade markets. We're looking at high-yield markets. We're looking at the convertible markets, loan markets. Um, but more specifically, because even that's a huge universe, is we're really looking for specific catalysts. And so we won't invest in just a high-yield bond because it's an attractive yield, like I mentioned before. What we do is we have our eyes and ears open for specific events that occur. And so any time that we hear that there's a merger that's been announced, that there's been a spinoff that's been announced, there's been a refinancing or something like a corporate reorganization, um, that's something that we're drawn to. And what we do uh, immediately there is we look to see if there's any available debt to invest in. Um, whether it's a bond or a loan or a convertible bond. Uh, and then we go about and we do our work. Um, we see what the event is. We see what the timeline is. We look at the probability of the event closing. And then a lot of the other things that credit investors will do, including very deep you know, credit work. Um, so that's really how we implement the strategy, by looking at those specific uh, events. And what you end up with is really a portfolio that is, is, is a, a group of idiosyncratic investments that should be more correlated to the outcomes of those of those events and not so much on market direction. And so it ends up being a relatively short duration portfolio. And we also 
as part of our process, we also look to implement hedges in the portfolio. So those hedges can be on an individual name basis um, so that we can limit some downside there in the event that the uh, the catalyst does not work out, um, and we also look to have overlays, um, portfolio hedge overlays. Um, really, again, we're trying to limit the, the downside in the portfolio and further reduce um, volatility and correlation. Thank you. Uh, so one thing you mentioned was, uh, you know, you're looking at these corporate events, and they should provide you uh, the opportunities to generate returns that are are not dependent on market direction. So with that in mind, how should investors expect this style of investing to perform in various market conditions? Is it relatively consistent, or would you expect it to vary depending on where you are in the market cycle? No, that, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I'd say our, our overall goal is for consistency, and we do really like to see a low vol, low, correlate, low correlated uh, return in the portfolio. But obviously, different markets are going to dictate uh, different movements in, in, in the portfolio. So... I look at it as there's really three types of markets. Um, the first one are just steady markets, um, probably characterized by what we've seen since uh, post the financial crisis um, outside of a couple of volatility events. But here we have kind of sideways to upward markets. Credit spreads are tightening. Volatility is lower. Um, and here we're really able to focus simply on the specific event. Um, so here we're going to be tied to the spreads that we're trying to capture on those events. Um, again, it's probably going to be a lower volatility environment. And that's an environment where we just kind of let the investments do what they're supposed to do, kind of let the deals work out. Um, the second, and really what we've seen uh, certainly in March of this year, are volatile markets. And here we can really expect spreads to be wider. And so when those spreads are wider, and sometimes it happens in a pretty violent fashion, which I think most investors saw during March. Um, our first job here is that we want to hedge and control the downside because we really want to be put in a position of strength so when the markets are selling off um, that we can be in a situation to take advantage of those opportunities from forced sellers and the like. And so there, we, like I said, we, we have a job to control the downside and then to capture those spreads, which at that point are much wider. And I think that's why in March and April and so forth, you know, we were able to do a decent job, I think, of limiting the downside relative to a lot of the broader indices, and we were able to capture some opportunities in the, at the end of March and beginning of April that bounced back really nicely um, and put us in a good position um, going forward. So uh, that's really the second type. Um, those are, I think as most people know, that those are not the most fun markets to endure, um, but I think we've navigated this one uh, pretty successfully this year. And then really the third type is, is, is another part of the current market, and that's something that we hear from a lot of fixed income investors, and that is a zero-rate uh, market, uh, zero-rate interest rate market, and really a, a fear of rising rates. And so investors are really wondering not only where to invest in fixed income, but also, like, how do you invest if you're fearful of rising rates? And so to me, this is a, this is a market where I think we can be of some help to those investors, um, because I think that... Uh, the catalyst-driven credits should perform well, uh, again, meaning if these mergers work out, these spinoffs work out, then they should continue to, to re make their return. And I think that the return potential in this market is still somewhat elevated, really because we've had higher volatility. In the, so the spreads in the market are still wide, even though fixed income rates are, are quite low right now. So that's really what I see as, as, as the market right now. And then the last thing, I guess, with this type of um, 
portfolio and in this type of market is, you know, keep in mind that, that a lot of our events um, are generally under six months to a year in duration. And so the portfolio is really made up of a group of short duration types of bonds and so forth. Uh, and then on top of that, you do have hedges, which I think should put us in a, in a decent position um, should rates rise uh, or if markets become more volatile again. Interesting. So perhaps one thing that we've indirectly touched on is yield. I think it's fair to say that yield is top of mind for a lot of investors in today's environment, given that yields are at or near record lows. Can you give our listeners a general sense of the type of yield or the range of yields an investor can expect from this type of strategy? Sure. Um, I mean, yields, obviously, they're going to change based on the market. Um, But as I indicated earlier, because there's some volatility in the market, prices have not bounced back fully to where they were um, pre-March. And so even for a short-duration portfolio like our own, we have a current yield on the portfolio that's really been hovering somewhere between 4 and 4.5%. And that's subject to change, and and I'll say we we don't manage to any type of yield. But typically, and I guess historically, the yield in the portfolio has has contributed, or the income has contributed probably about three-quarters of our return um, since inception. So I think right now that that yield is is pretty attractive, and if you keep in mind that that yield is is in a portfolio that is is relatively short duration, like I said, it's a, it's under a year in most cases, and it's also um, something that's going to have really less uh, principal movement, uh, less volatility than something like a Barclays Ag or an investment grade index, which might have a six or seven year duration, um, or high yield itself. I mean, obviously, their high yield has its own risks duration there is probably less of the risk, but credit spreads are, are going to be a risk there. Um, so I think the portfolio right now, as I said, we're pumping out somewhere between 4 4.5% um, as, as a current yield. Well, that's very impressive. Um, so, I, you know, moving forward, you know, obviously 2020 has been a, a year for the history books and uh, the markets are included in that. I, you know, if you can maybe touch on uh, you know what you're seeing as opportunities for the for your strategy and for the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund today, and what are some of the themes that are impacting your investment decisions? Yeah, it's it's uh, as you said, it's really an interesting time to to be investing, um, and I think any investments that we're making, we really have to keep keep in the context of this year's election, which could have multiple outcomes. Um, this pandemic, um, there definitely seems to be a race for uh, for a cure, or a race for a vaccine that's going on, and the market has been pretty, I think, pretty um, cautiously optimistic, um, given the way that, that, that markets have run, despite economic disruption, unemployment, and so forth. Um, but even with all this, um, we're seeing uh, corporations taking actions, and it could be uh, looking to buy other companies to improve their product offerings or strategy. Um, it could be things like spin-offs where companies are focusing on their core business and getting rid of uh, um, types of businesses that they own that are not um, not specific to what they want to do going forward. Um, and then the other thing that, that companies are doing a lot with the credit markets open, the fixed income markets open, and with a lot of demand is there, there's a lot of refinancing activity. So um, as far as mergers, um, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the last few months has really been um, – Quite a bit of energy consolidation. Um, a couple months ago, we had Chevron buying Noble Corp. Uh, we had WPX Energy being bought by Devon more recently. We had Montage Resources 
being bought by Southwest Energy. Um, so these are um, these are really uh, obviously they're merger events, but for the credit fund here, they, they end up being credit improvement stories. When you have a double A rated acquirer like Chevron buying a triple B minus rated Noble Corp, um, that's going to give us provide opportunities for um, not so much delevering in this case, but really capturing the the spread difference between the lesser credit and the better credit. Um, so that's one place that we we like to make money. Um, typically, also in these merger situations, they can off, uh, they can often offer us opportunities um, to play for what we call a change in control, and that is when the target's debt can be redeemed uh, at the close of the merger for uh, for par or 101 percent of par. And in that regard, it acts very much like merger arbitrage in that we buy the bond, let's say, for for par, and we know that in six months we're going to get 101, so we capture one percent. Uh, return from the capital gain, and then we clip coupons, so maybe it's a 5 or 6% coupon. So for a six-month investment, we might be making 5 or 6%, um, which can be a pretty attractive for us. And again, if that deal breaks, that'll be the risk for us, but we do a lot of work and we implement hedges and so forth, and so that if that deal does go through, um, we can make that 5 or 6% in a relatively um, short-term, um, short-term investment. Um, so those are the places that we're seeing in mergers. Um, I guess related to mergers, too, is that um, over the past few years, I think everybody's been reading headlines about private equity and, and how much buying power they have. And, and we had estimated, I think, last year, it was you know, into the low trillion dollars of buying power that private equity had. And we're, we're still seeing some of that activity. It's a little bit lower on the LBO front um, than we've seen in the past. But it seems to be um, that there's another, there's another vehicle out there we're seeing a lot of business from, and that's uh, these SPACs, these special uh, purpose acquisition uh, companies that are out there, and effectively they are being funded. Um, they're public uh, entities, and they will use that capital to go buy a private company. And so I know there's a lot to do for equity investors on that side, but for for us, for bond investors, we look to these SPACs once they've announced an acquisition. And what we see is that uh, they'll often take a private company and make it go public, and we look to see if there's debt outstanding at that private company. And if there is debt outstanding, we look to see what the path for that debt will be. Will it be a redemption when that SPAC deal closes? Will it be just a delevering event? Um, so those are those are interesting situations for us as, as well. And I guess most recently, most recently, we did see a, a deal from uh, MultiPlan, which is a uh, large uh, insurer for the uh, payment processor healthcare industry. Um, they were being purchased by Churchill Capital, which is a SPAC. And so in this deal specifically, we really had, had two trades. One was for a short-term debt redemption that we expect to, to occur uh, just around the time the deal closes. And then there's another bond in that capital structure that we would anticipate is going to be redeemed in the next 6 to 12 months. And uh, we have a couple reasons for believing that, but um, Churchill Capital has had a pretty good track record of wanting to rapidly repay debt. So um, these are situations, I think, that are, that are pretty, pretty attractive to us going forward. Well, it sounds like you have a breadth of opportunities and events to look at. With that, Greg, I'd just like to say thank you so much for your time and insight today. It's been extremely helpful for me, and I'm sure it has been for our listeners as well. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate being here. As a reminder, Greg is a portfolio manager on the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund, ticker ACFIX. And I'd like to say thank you to all of our listeners who joined us. For those listeners who aren't familiar with us, Water Island Capital is an asset manager with a proven 20-year track record in public mutual funds, 
private investment vehicles, and a recently launched ETF. If you'd like to learn more about the firm or fund, please visit arbitragefunds.com or call our resource desk at 1-800-560-8210. Again, Greg, thank you so much for your time and insight. And listeners, we look forward to having you join us on our next episode of ARBcast. Have a great day.